As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Seek advice from qualified people. Everybody I was seeking advice from was not in a position where I wanted what they had. So why was I asking them for advice? Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. What's us today, Will Harvey? How you doing, Will? I'm doing well. Well, I'm glad to hear that and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about Will. He's the principal and at, and CEO at at, at at he's a principal at CEO Capital Partners. <laughs> That's right. Most people mess it up and say it how you originally said it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, there's a preposition yeah. there at CEO Capital Partners. He's based in Ashburn, Virginia, right outside of DC. He personally owns over one and a half million real estate in the DC area, which is a mix between rentals and Airbnbs. He's been investing in real estate since 2016 and recently left his high-paying W-2 job. So congrats on that. Yeah, With that being it. said, Will, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. So I started out growing up. I was always taught by my dad. He's been in business a long time. And he always taught me that I'd go to a restaurant and I'd be like, I want to work here one day. I'd go to Chipotle when I was really young. I'd be like, I want to work here. The food is so good. And he would always teach, now, you don't want to work here. You want to own it. So I was always instilled that whole own the ladder instead of go up the ladder mentality. So that was good. And I had a bunch of side hustles as a kid. I started out selling golf balls. I would find golf balls, clean them up and sell them at a nicer course. And as I went along would sell stuff on eBay for people and cut grass and getting into high school, I started going down the wrong path. I got into drugs and alcohol. And once I got into college, it got 10 times worse, just got real strung out on a bunch of stuff and was there for three total semesters. My last semester was just a train wreck. And I ended up pulling out of school. I came home. And what I happened so- in that last semester? The main thing was just blacking out all the time. It's important uh, to be conscious during yeah, college. Exactly. <laughs> you got to yes. be conscious during class time too, right? That's right. So, so blacking out and driving and just doing all kinds of stupid stuff. So anyways, I came home and I was actually home on winter break and had just a total God moment. My uh, Christian faith is what got me through everything that, that I went through. And uh, a family friend was in my parents' driveway. I was living with them at the time. And after a real bad blackout, my friend had punched me in the face a couple of times because I was trying to drive and then was saying stuff about him. So the next day, my face was all swollen and messed up. And this guy saw me and he's like, what happened? And I was like, I don't really remember. And he thought about it. And at the time, he was sober 18 years. He was an alcoholic himself. So a couple of days later, he reaches out to me and he's like, hey, I was thinking about you over the past couple of days. And I think this might be a little bit bigger than you think. So would love to sit down and I'll just tell you my story and we'll just go from there. There's no pressure. And again, by the grace of God, I was kind of at a bottom, so to speak. So I agreed to meet with him. And, and how did you come across this person? In the he first was place? a family friend, lived in okay. my neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. So went and met with him. His story was identical to mine. And I was sitting talking to him. I was like, well, if he's alcoholic and his story is exactly like mine, then what does that make me? So I went a few days later, we told my parents, I admitted that I had a problem with alcohol and ended up making the decision to pull out of school and, and get sober and mm-hmm. start going to AA meetings and, and all you. that. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was very humbling. Most 19-year-olds are not doing that. So it was very, very humbling moving back in with your parents when you had the freedom of living at school and doing all that. So anyways, fast forward. And, and yeah. I'd say that everyone has areas in life that 
they need to have that sort of awareness and about face. We got to do something else. It's just that certain things like alcoholism, drugs, other things, it's more obvious from the outsider standpoint, but we've all got that stuff, right? Like now everyone has that. Right. Admittedly, now I'm addicted to work and I'm, you know, well, your, your website's wealthjunkies.com, which after knowing this story is going to ask you about why you call it wealthjunkies.com. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. So fast forward after I was home and live with my parents, about a year and a half later, I ended up walking on and, and playing football at a school in Ohio. Which one? It was Ohio Dominican University. It's nice. in Columbus, overshadowed by the other school in Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up playing there and that was great until I had double hip surgery. And I came home and that kind of started my real estate journey. So I got into the mortgage business. A family friend got me into the mortgage business in 2015. And I learned the business for about a year. And at the end of 2016 is when I went off into sales. So 17 was my first year and I did well and it was phenomenal. I lived it, breathed it, slept it. And it was actually before I started in sales, I was able to buy my first house. And the way that it all happened was I was in the mortgage business and I didn't know a ton about real estate, but I knew that it was a good thing. And I knew that I should buy a house because I can start building wealth. But I was making $30,000 at the time and living in the DC area, you won't qualify for anything. So I went to my dad and I said, Hey dad, I have a potential opportunity for you. And he's like, Oh great, here we go. So I showed him this house and I was like, look, I can't qualify my own, but I've done my research. This is the rental income that I can get. I'll live in one room. I'll rent out the other two. Can I borrow your ability to qualify? (laughs) So he agreed and signed on the loan. I was able to get the house. And the first month that the two tenants, one was my brother and one was another family friend, first month they paid me the rent. It almost covered the entire mortgage and I was hooked on real estate. Mm-hmm. So it was hook, line, sinker. It was a house hack before I ever discovered bigger pockets or anything like that. And I highly advocate that to anybody that I talk to, especially if they're single and don't have kids or anything. I highly advocate for doing that. So Fast forward a little bit more, I started originating and I started making good money. And at the end of 17, I bought another house. And then fast forward another 11 months from there, I bought another house. And again, the houses here are ridiculous in price. One of those rental properties was over $400,000. Dang. Yeah. So I mean, I was putting what, 20% down? I put 10% down because I moved into it. So each property I bought, I bought as a primary residence and moved into it and had the lender's consent, used the same lender and they were cool with it. So that helped. All the rates are in the threes, which is nice. I wasn't having to do investment loans. But after I got to three, I just realized that there was a serious scalability problem with what I was trying to do. And that's kind of what led me into multifamily. So that's Mm -hmm. when I started learning about it and going from there. If you want to ask some questions based on all that. Sure. Or I can keep going. What do you you want me to do? Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Well, you personally owned part. Now, mystery solved there because I introduced you as personally owning 1.5 in real estate in the DC area and three homes, 400K-ish a pop. There's that. Is that all the portfolios or something else? I actually have one more and I had one that we sold. It was a flip. And then there's another flip I'm doing with a partner right now. It was just a killer deal. I own it, but it's in a company and won't be owned for long. It's not a long-term house. Okay. And 
just to get an idea of cash flow, just pick one of the four homes, please, and tell us what's the income, what are the expenses, high level, and yeah, what are sure. you making per month. So I'll pick the second one. It was the most expensive one. And the cool thing about this one is that it was bleeding at one point. So I was able to kind of use the knowledge that I learned from multifamily and apply it to this. Oh, and that's, okay. That's what yeah. helped. So I did have one person renting the majority of the house. And then I had Airbnb in the lower level as a separate entrance. The house was perfect for that. And I put a lock on the outside of that door so they couldn't access the rest of the house. It's like a separate mm-hmm. unit, essentially. And I had someone else renting the rest of the house. But what I did, once their lease was up, it was a three-level townhouse. Instead of just doing the Airbnb and renting the rest of the house out as one lease, I kept the Airbnb and I did two separate leases for the two bedrooms Mm. that were upstairs. And by doing that, it was crazy. It turned it around phenomenally. And now it's cash flowing about $400 a month, which doesn't sound like a lot. But since I've bought it, it's went up in value $50,000. So it's a high appreciation area. And I know you preach the three rules is not to go for appreciation. But Well, my approach is buy for cash flow and then increase the value through value add plays. And here you go, a value add play. You kept the Airbnb, but then you've changed it from leasing the other one as a regular rental to leasing it by the bedroom. Exactly. So then you separate that out. Let's compare the Airbnb income per month versus one bedroom per month. What's okay. the difference there? The Airbnb is about $1,100 a month. If you average it out, that's what it comes out to. So it's about $1,100 a month. Income? Income, yeah. Okay. And then from that 1100 there's not a whole lot of expenses. I would say about 60 bucks a month in expenses. Right. There's All a right. cool app I found where you could get a turnkey cleaner. It's pretty cool. It's called Turnover B&B for anybody. Thank you. I wasn't going to ask that, but I should have. So thanks for offering yep. that. Up. No, absolutely. Turnover B&B. So that's about 1100 But that room is so much smaller than the rooms that I'm doing on a lease. So apples to apples, it's hard to compare them but it's still more than what I'm doing for the leases. So what's the bedroom rent? The master is a thousand. And then there's another, it's like a master two. And that one, it's a little bit smaller than the true master. That one is nine fifty. So the Airbnb is better. The Airbnb is tiny compared to both of those rooms and I'm still getting more rent. So the reason why I asked that question was because of the follow-up, which is why not have all three be Airbnbs? Because it's more of a headache to do it that way. I see it as more of a headache. Airbnb is not passive. People are coming and I have it very passive now. I've been doing it for over two years. So I've kind of worked out all the glitches and have it pretty automated. But one of the renters in the house, I know very well, and she kind of oversees everything. So I'm giving up a little bit of income by not doing Airbnb for the sake of uh, having peace of mind. What, if anything, does she get compensated for overseeing it unofficially? If it's something where I need her to clean it, she will. And I'll just knock 50 bucks off her rent. If it's like an emergency cleaning and the turnover B&B can't do it in time, or there's something that comes up with a guest and they need something, then she's there and I kind of compensate her as I go. And it's a good arrangement that we have. In terms of the process with the Airbnb unit over the last couple of years, you said you've got it down 
more or less to a smooth system. What are some major changes that have taken place over those two years? Getting rid of this stupid keyless entry that was giving me so many problems. Oh, really? So I, that's a huge one. Yeah. Getting rid of it? Yep. It sounds huh. crazy. That's the reason I got it was because I thought that it was going to be so easy. Nobody will lose a key. They just enter <laughs> in the button, but it created so many problems. Which one did you have? It was Schlage or Schlage. I don't know how to say it, yeah. but they're a name brand product and it would always mess up. I'm not trying to dog on them, but you're just speaking I, facts. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I got what, a battery went down sometimes. Well, no, it was actually wasn't the battery. It was really, I know I'm kind of getting in the weeds here, but there was this part inside and it was like a little disc and it would slip and basically it would just spin freely and it wouldn't turn it. So I'd have to take it apart. And... So why not just get a refund and get a different type of keyless entry? I don't know. I bought it a while ago. And every time I'd go over there, I would just want to fix it and be done with it and move on. So <laughs> I'd YouTube it and try to figure out how to do it. It would work for a little bit, but then a month later it would go bad. So the solution there was get a lockbox and have a key. And so far the good old fashioned keyed entry has been fine. Okay. What else? Yep. Another thing is I have a virtual assistant who handles all guest communications and a big thing with Airbnb is being a super host. So you want to do that. So and you want to become a super host. And in order to do that, you got to get a bunch of reviews and you got to be really good. So I had a virtual assistant. She's awesome. Her name's April. And I put together a process where as soon as someone books, she sends them a message and says, Hey, here's the Wi-Fi. here's this, here's that. Because there's frequently asked questions. So we kind of answered all those questions in this first message. So she would send that. She would say, if you need anything, let us know. On the day they arrive, she would message them again and basically reiterate that and say, if you have any issues with check-in, let us know. And then while they're there for long-term people, every Thursday, she would message them and ask if they need anything. And then when they leave, there was a sequence where she would message them and try to get them to complete the review. So that's huge in automating it. And because I was always too busy to ask for reviews and do all that. So having a system in place where she would do it was very helpful for me. How did you find the VA? Upwork. Neil Bawa kind of motivated me to do that. And how many VAs did you work with until landing with this woman? She was the very first one. So, wow. yep. So there's a lot of people that have gone through a lot of VAs and not been satisfied, but where's she located? Wood, she is awesome. Philippines. And how much per hour? Five dollars and five cents. And any bonus for doing stuff? I give her a Christmas bonus. If she makes a decision and it's like thinking outside of the box, she mm -hmm. does something that's impressive, I'll give her a bonus. And you, know, you ten bucks, had, twenty-five bucks, somewhere around there. Had her for how long? I've had her since July or August of two thousand nineteen. Wow. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yep. It's going great. So now your focus is what? Multifamily. So where are you at with that? Myself and four partners, we started a group about a year ago and we got involved as a co-sponsor on a few different deals. And we were able to raise money on our first one, we raised about half a million dollars. And then about three weeks later, there was another opportunity that came up where we were able to co-sponsor and that's where we're at now. And we have one that we're working on. And as this records, it's under contract in Columbia, South Carolina, which is pretty cool because 
it's the school that I was at where I was a colossal screw up <laughs> where I was but getting into all the drugs. Is that the Gamecocks? Yep. University of South Carolina. Yeah. Nice. Yep. The other USC. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm sure I just made a lot of South Carolinians upset uh, when I said that. Absolutely. That's, that's uh, what everybody says. All right. Well, I'll just join the crowd then and just blend in and run away. <laughs> You're good. So based on your experience, what's the best real estate investing advice ever? When I was in the mortgage business and I started learning about multifamily and I knew it was something that I wanted to do, like you said in my bio, I was a high paid I was making a couple six figures and I was in my early twenties, but I just wasn't happy. I wasn't enjoying it. I felt like a hamster on a wheel and I would ask people advice. Everybody that I was asking was in a position where they weren't financially independent. They weren't financially free or anything like that. They were working. So the advice, what I'm getting at is seek advice from qualified people. Everybody I was seeking advice from was not in a position where I wanted what they had. So why was I asking them for advice? That's my advice is try to find people that are actually qualified to give you advice on what you're asking. That's a good reminder because there's all different areas of life that we need advice on. And we might have a trusted friend that we always go to for advice, but is that trusted friend qualified in that particular area of life to give advice on? That's interesting. You're not going to go to somebody and ask them about your marriage. They've been divorced five times. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So, right. Well, it would be good to hear their advice and then just do the opposite. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. That's right. <laughs> All right, we're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. The Invest This podcast interviews the elite in real estate investment to uncover the secrets to building an empire in every aspect of real estate investment. Visit investthispodcast.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T-T-H-I-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com for the top 10 real estate books to build your empire and to learn more. All right, what's the best ever resource you currently use in your business that you couldn't live without? I would say with the personal portfolio I have, I'll keep it with that. I would say the turnover BNB and the VA. So two. Yep. We talked about, obviously you go to turnover BNB, that's easy Google search. And then VA, you talked about going to Upwork and finding a VA. That's right. What's the deal that you've lost the most amount of money on, if any? I don't think there is one based on what we've talked about, maybe a flip or something. I don't know. No, there's no actual deal where I've lost money, but I lost money when I first got into multifamily. There was a deal that I was trying to do on my own. It was a 14-unit property in a rural part of Virginia, and I had deal goggles on. I wanted to close it so bad, and it was a pain in the butt. The seller was asking for stuff that was unreasonable, and long story short, I had the attorney do the contract over and over and over mm -hmm. and the deal ended up dying. And then I got the bill from the attorney and it was $9,000. <laughs> that wasn't fun. What were some unreasonable deal points that the seller was asking for? I was so naive and inexperienced. He wanted to save money on closing costs. Instead of doing a traditional purchase, he wanted me to purchase the underlying LLC that owned the property. Mm -hmm. 
And I was getting advice from everyone saying that's such a bad idea. You don't know if he's in litigation yep. with, with someone. So just create a lot of billable hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty hefty attorney fee for purchase and sale negotiation uh, contract. On I wanted to, that, that was, uh, that was my welcome to billable hours moment. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted to throw up when I got that bill. <laughs> it sounds like you had a very responsive attorney. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? My mom started a nonprofit and you guys actually featured it on the best ever, the best giving or best care. Best ever caught. Yeah. Best, yes, ever, best causes. ever causes. Yes. Yep. Helping Haitian angels. So it's a, oh, it's yeah. an orphanage in Haiti. Yeah, that was fairly recently. Best ever listeners, you can go to bestevercauses.com. And if you go to click on recent causes, I'm on there now, you can see the organization helping Haitian angels. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? They can go listen to our show where we got our motivation from you, Joe, like we were talking before this started. I got roped into doing a daily podcast because of something Joe talked about at a conference. So Thank you so much for that, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work, as you yes. know. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, no, it's it's awesome stuff. So our podcast is Wealth Junkies. You can find us there, or you can just shoot me an email, will at wealthjunkies.com. Well, thank you, Will, for sharing your story, some challenges, some ways you overcame it, some lessons learned, like make sure we ask advice from people qualified in the area that we're looking to get advice on your Airbnb approach, turnover BNB, the VA adding value to one of the properties that you own. You know, it was losing money. What do you do? Let's rent out by the bedroom and let's make sure we have that Airbnb rocking and rolling. So some really applicable stuff as well as what you're focused on now with the multifamily. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day and talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Joe.